Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. First John, out of his series of three, First John chapter two, First John chapter two, and I will read verses fifteen and sixteen. It'll be familiar to to most of you. I'd like to expound a little bit on this today. First John chapter two, fifteen through sixteen. When you have it, say Amen. The Bible reads, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. Um, I'll, I'll get around to explaining my, my title today, but uh, for, for a title of this Bible study, uh, we'll, we're going to talk about relationship over religion. Relationship over religion. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you so much, and we're thankful to be in your house. We're thankful to be among your people thankful to hear your word today. I ask you today, Lord, that you would let this word permeate our spirits and lead us and guide us, connect us to your will and your way. And Lord, we'll be so careful today to give you praise and glory and honor in the house, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Would you lift your voice and would you shout in Jesus' name? Amen. Would you clap your hands as you're being seated and give God a shout of praise? Amen. For your uh, reference today, I will turn your attention to the book of Genesis chapter 3, and we'll read a little bit from there. Uh, and I want to talk to you today about where, where religion began and why I believe that this is where religion began. Um, relationship and religion are really two separate entities and both of them fill our churches today, and they fill this church as well. Um, I don't believe that there's any human being on uh, the planet that is not somehow been affected by religion. Our world today has been formed, platted, you know, organized, managed, and instituted by religion for eons of time. And when I say religion, I want you to understand that this is man's concept of God. And, but I believe in the hermeneutical value of first, and 
if you've been at Truth Chapel for a while, you, you've heard me say that phrase before, and you've heard me say, you know, relationship over religion before, but today I'd like to bring some, some highlight to that and, and help us today. And, and, and why we believe that relationship is better than religion. And uh, I know that my, my reading doesn't feel like it connects to my, to my title, but I want to ex explain again 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And John is talking about the world, all that is in the world. He is he's deciphering for us in, in this chapter of chapter 2 the difference between flesh and spirit, between humanity and deity. And he tells us that we should not love the world. Uh, we, we should not love the world. We should not love things of the world. We should not be in love. We should not put our hope and our trust and our love in things of the world. And he says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And this is, that we, we see this concept all throughout the New Testament where the Bible declares to us emphatically over and over again that no man can serve two masters. You're either going to love one and hate the other. You're going to hate one and love the other. It, it's, it, it's hard to play both sides of the field. This is why the Lord will say, I, I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you try to play the middle, I can't, I can't deal with you. I have to puke you up out of my mouth. Um, because if you love the world, you can't love him. And it's just an, an impossibility. It's a, it's a biblical impossibility. It's a physical impossibility. That, that, that God, God doesn't share his love. We, we live in a, in, a, in a culture that we share love very easily in this culture. Like for us, we understand what it is to share love um, because, or, you know, even like the, the things that we desire because every one of us in this room knows what it's like to like love a couple things at one time. Like, you know, if you have more than one child, then your love is spread out between those children. Like, like we understand that. Like, like I love Courtney, but I love Sydney too. And, and I love Isaac. And I can love Courtney and love Sydney and Isaac at the same time. I don't have to love one of them and not love the other. Like that's, like I, human capability, I understand that. You know, like I, there's, there, there are several different sports that I like more than one team in those, in those sports. Like if this team's playing, I'm pulling for them. But if this team's playing, I'm gonna pull for them. And then if those two teams wind up playing each other, I'm torn. And I'm like, you know what, I don't care who wins. You know, because I like both of these teams or I like both of these players. Or, so, so we understand, like, in our human concept, that, like, we can love more than one thing. Like, it's, 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 it's okay. But when we talk about marriage, you can't, you can't be loving your wife and loving your girlfriend. Right? It didn't work, right? We, we understand, even as humans, we can take this Bible and set it aside for a few moments, and we understand that there's things in our life that we can love more than one of, and there's some things that we can't love more than one of. Like, there's a, there's a line. 
God draws this line in his word. He's like, you can, you can love this, you can love that, you can love, but when it comes to me, you can't love me and the world. You can love me and you can love your family. You can love me and, and you can love, you know, things in your life. But you cannot love me and love the world at the same time. Like, like if you love me, you will, you will, if you pour all your love into me, there will be things in your life that you can't love anymore. And if you fall so deeply in love with something here on this earth that you can't love me anymore, now you know that this thing is not what I need because it's taking away my love for the Lord, my love for the word, my love for the church. And this whole concept of love, love the world, love God, this whole concept that we see here, it's about, like, like God, is, God is not talking about religion here. His, his, his desire in this moment is, is not for us to follow a pattern, but it's to follow him. He's like, listen, if you follow me, I'll lead you into the pattern. Because a lot of us, we don't even understand that we're in love with the pattern, we're not really in love with him. And, and, what, and what God is talking about here is about relationship. When, when, when God talks to us through his word, he's always forming this, this idea, this, this view of me and you in love with him so much that we'll, that we'll turn away from other things. That we will walk away from things we used to love because we're so in love with him. You see, that doesn't sound like religion to me. That sounds like relationship. Because when I think about relationship and I think about the relationship I have with my wife, there's things that I loved before I married her. But as I, when I married her and I dedicated my life to her, there were things that I turned away from. There were friends that I didn't keep anymore. There were activities I, didn't, I wasn't involved in anymore. There were things that I put down. Because as my love grew for her, those other things that seemed so important grew strangely dim. That's relationship. That's a, that's a, that, a, a good relationship will do that to you. It doesn't feel like compromise when you love somebody. Like, like we, we say the words like, well, you know, you got to compromise. Well, when you love somebody, that doesn't feel like compromise, does it? Like, like it feels like this is my honor to do this because I know it pleases you. And, and so, no, I, I, I won't do these things because I realize that it pleases whom I love. And it's easy for me to lay these things down because I realize how much more it connects me to you. That sounds like relationship. And so... When he's talking about this, this love concept in 1 John chapter 2, like if you love the world, you don't love me. And he, he, he connects it to this. He says, for all that is in the world. This is, he, he's going to give us a definition of what he's talking about. Because when you say the world, John, like what are you talking about? Like I can't love my car. I, I can't love Mother Earth. Like we just had Earth Day. I mean, like what do you mean the world? Like when you say the world, what is your definition of the world, John? Like help us because... I don't know, you know, m maybe you know exactly what he's talking about, but it's kind of vague here. 
he that loves the world, what, what do you mean by the world? What is, what is your definition of the world? Because the world to me is earth. I can't love anything in the earth. You know, I, I, I can't love the world. I, I, I can't love things that are in the world. Like, what do you mean by the world? Like, if you could define those things, it would help me better understand what I should turn away from and what I should turn to. So John doesn't leave us null and void here and just looking through a glass darkly, but he clears it up for us by saying in verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So this is what he's talking about. He's talking about three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Lust, lust, and pride. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. This is what the world, this is what John talks about when he talks about the world. When he says the world, he's talking about the things that we lust in our flesh, the things that we lust that we see, and then how we feel about ourselves. Pride of life. This is so interesting to me uh, in, in John chapter 2 because he, he, he's given us the definition of what the world is in, in his view. And in this context that he's talking about here, when he says love not the world, what he's saying is the Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Now, go with me to Genesis chapter 3. This is going to be very familiar to you. Yeah. I just want to read, read some for you. And you, you stop me when you see it. When you see it, you, just, you just, just, just put your hand up. When I see a couple hands go up, I'll stop reading. But when you, when you see it, just raise your hand. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. This is... Genesis 3, verse 1. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the, the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, We shall not eat of it, neither shall we touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave unto, all right, I got a couple hands there. Do you see it? Three and six. It, it interests me even deeper. It, it interests me even deeper that this is the sixth verse of the third chapter because the number six is the number of man, number of flesh. And so here's, here's the concept of flesh. When I saw that it was good for my flesh, it looked good to my eye, and it made me better than everybody else. That's the world. We see the introduction of what the other things that we could be in love with other than God. So this is the introduction of the world. This is what John's talking about. This is, this is everything that's in the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He defines the world as these, these three things. 
And we can go all the way back to the beginning of time in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. And we see all three of these things present in Eve's moment. This moment, all three of these things are present to her when she sees this is good for food. It's good for my flesh. It will fill me up. It will satisfy me. And she sees that it is pleasant to the eye. It looks good. I mean, how could this fruit be bad and it looks so good? How could something that looks so good be bad for me? Mm, some of y'all need to think about your relationships on that note right there. How could he be so fine but be bad for me? How could she be so beautiful but be bad for me? Then, he, then she says, and it's good to make me wise. I want wisdom. This is the ego talking. I want this to fill my body, to fill my eyes, and to fill my pride. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These are not of the Father. These are things that the enemy introduced into Eve's concept that she had no concept of. You know why she had no concept of these three things? It's because her whole life was lived around relationship and not religion. Her and Adam had a relationship with God. It was a cool of the day type conversation. It was a daily interaction with God himself. And they had a relationship and what separated Eve and Adam from the relationship with God was this thing right here, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. These things is what Eve desired. She saw that it was good for these things, that it would fill me up, it would satisfy me, it would satiate my desires and my earthly need to be filled. It will it, it, it is beautiful to look at. How can it be bad if it looks so good? And it'll make me wise. It'll, 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 it'll give me status. These are the things that we still struggle with today, as John tells us in 1 John chapter 2. These, these things that Eve desired in Genesis 3 are the same things that plague us in 2022. Our flesh our eyes, and our pride. Amen. And these things lead us, these things lead us to religion. You say, Pastor Chavis, what do you mean? How do these three things lead us to religion? How do, how do we get religion out of this? Well, I believe that religion started in Genesis 3. I'll show you why I believe this. Verse 7, the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. There's religion. Sin entered in verse 6. Religion ended in verse 7. Because religion is the attempt of man to fix what we did in 6. This is, all, this is all that religion is. 
all religion is is for our, our way of fixing our mess. It's, it's, it's the way that we decide that we're going to do the things that we're going to do to cover this up. And if I do this and if I do that and if I do this and I follow this rule and follow that law, then, then, then I can be right. And me and you have been grading ourselves on how well we're covering up what we did since Genesis 3. This is the introduction of religion. All religion is is man's attempt to fix man's mess. It's laws upon laws. It's, it's, it, it's concepts upon concepts. We, me and you, we, we have struggled since Genesis 3 to find a way to fix what we've messed up. We're trying to fix our relationships. We're trying to fix our lives. We're trying to cover our sins. We're trying to keep up. We're trying to keep God happy. We're trying to cover up our private areas. That's, that's all they did. All they did was they took, all they did was take fig leaves and just cover up their private areas. That's what an apron is. It just, it just covers up your privates. That's what they did. They tried to fix themselves. They knew they were wrong. They knew immediately there's revelation. What they didn't understand is that it gives one the ability to make oneself wise. They didn't understand that with their wisdom would also come their condemnation. They didn't understand that with their wisdom would also come their shame. The more you know the more you realize how messed up you are. Listen, if you get into this book and you really start reading it, you're gonna, what you're going to realize is I am way off. If you really get in this book and you start digging for yourself and you start reading what God really wants from us, you start realizing I am not even close. I'm so far away. And so what we try to do is when we see how far away we are, when we see how much off the mark we are, when we see how <laughs> messed up from the floor up we are, we start attempting in ourselves to fix ourselves. Here we go. We start, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to wake up a little earlier. I'm going to pray 30 minutes. I'm going to, we start making all these plans. And all we're doing is we're just taking aprons made of renewable sources. If, listen, if I sow me an apron of fig leaves, in a couple days, those fig leaves are going to be brown, dried up, and decayed, and I'm going to need to go get me another fig leaf. And I, I can never stay good because what I'm using to cover me up is from the world, the earth. And it just dies over... And, and, and my attempts at fixing me just dies in a couple days. That's why I can speak in tongues on Sunday and be cussing on Tuesday. Ain't nobody want to talk back to me. Because all, all I'm doing in my life is just putting fig leaves on. I'm just over and over again, and they die, and they wilt, and they shred, and, they, and, they, and the wind can blow them away. One person not shaking my hand can just ruin it for me. I can... I can 
I could, I could have went five, six, seven days doing good, praying every day, fasting, whatever it may be, and hit my thumb with a hammer and, and let an expletive slip from my mouth, and I feel like I'm about to bust hell wide open. Because I've been trying to do this in my own self, and it's just, it's just decay. It's, it's, there's nothing to it. It's just a fig leaf. It's just, as soon as I took it off the vine, as soon as I took it from its source, it was destined to die. But in the middle of religion, right in the middle of religion, the Lord comes in with relationship. This is why religion, religion and relationship would never be separated. Look at your neighbor and tell him, listen to the man of God. You better fix it in your spirit now. We will never separate religion from relationship. Can't. You can't. The two are bond, bound together like copper is iron and brass. Or brass is iron and copper. And once you melt iron and copper together, it becomes brass and it will never be nothing else again. I don't care how hot you get it. You can get it as hot as you want to get it. It will never be nothing but brass. Now you can separate other things. You can separate other metals. But you can't separate brass. When, it become, when iron and copper mix at a certain heat, it'll never be nothing else again. I don't care how hot you get it. Look in your Bible and look up all the things in the, in the word of God that are connected to brass and you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll see the connection from how once it's this, it'll never be, this, is, this is religion and relationship. They are connected forever. Here's what me and you have to do. We have to twist it. So that relationship always stays on the top of religion. Me and you have to work every day to keep religion below us and relationship above us. Me and you have to live a life and get in this word. That's why you need the word of God. You need God's word because God's word will always help you stay balanced. It will always help you stay on top. Listen, the only way, the only way that God could really get his people to a place where he could come and save them is he had to use religion. Yeah, because those Ten Commandments, that's religion. That's law, which is what religion means, law. He has to set up religion in order to get people to try to, try to manipulate themselves into the right way, understanding that every year we have to make sacrifice. Until Jesus comes and sets us free from the law and makes a new covenant, we're trapped by it. And even after that, even Paul says, do we throw the law away? Nah, let's don't do that. Let's not throw the law away because the law is there to remind us Religion is there to remind us that me and you ain't never going to be good enough. We're never going to be good enough. Absolutely not. We're never going to be able to walk that walk. Ever. You're never going to be perfect. Religion always stays around like the thorn in Paul's side when he said, Lord, take it from me. Take, take away my insufficiency. Take away my inability to be perfect. Paul said, Lord... I am so perfect that the only place in my life where there is a prod in me is a small thorn. 
And Lord, I'm asking you to remove the thorn. And he said, no, I can't take it from you. You got to live with that. Because as long as you live with that, you'll always lean on my grace. And my grace is sufficient. <laughs> but how I cover myself is the difference. Because this, this relationship that Adam and Eve had now comes into play as God comes down again in the cool of the day. Their sin did not drive him away. Their sin brought him in. God comes in the cool of the day. Adam, you're supposed to be, this is where we meet every day. Where, where are you at, Adam? I'm hiding. Why are you hiding? Why are you playing with me? He said, Lord, we're, we're hiding because we're naked. Who, who told you you were naked? How did you gain that wisdom? How do you know now that you're naked? Sin and nakedness have always been connected. All right. Don't play into the culture of the world that says, I can just show what I want to show, and you just got to get over it. That's not Bible. That's not Bible. Nakedness and sin have always been connected. When they realized good from evil, the first thing they knew was we're naked and that's wrong. We should not be naked. And the Lord came down in the cool of the day. Why are you, why are you hiding? Because we're naked. who told you you were naked? Eve says it was that serpent. That, that serpent that you led into the garden. The serpent beguiled me. It's the serpent's fault. Serpent's like, I mean, I didn't make her eat it. I just told her it was good. I just, I just, I just made her question what you said. But before Eve could say it was the serpent, God asked Adam, Adam, what did you do? Adam says, this woman that you gave me, That's what they do. Look, I don't try. I ain't trying to start no fight here on Sunday morning. Lord, this woman you gave me, it was her. He goes. The woman said, "What did you do?" The woman says, "It was this serpent." Just passing it off. I've always wondered what the Book of Genesis would look like if Adam didn't make an altar outside, but he made an altar inside. I wonder what Genesis would look like when God said, "Adam, what did you do?" If Adam would have said. I messed up. I should have I should have protected my family. It's my fault. My bad. I should have been walking through the garden looking for snakes. I should have, you know what I should have done? I should have built a wall. I should have built a wall around that tree. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking. My, my bad, my bad, Lord. I, I, God, I am a fool. And he would have said, no, baby, no, baby. It was my, no, this was on me. This was my fault. I wonder what Genesis 3 would look like. The Bible may be done at Genesis 3. 
a three-chapter Bible. Just, just, and, and we'd all be hanging out in the garden right now. But we ain't. So the Lord begins to deal out rebukes, reproofs. He begins to deal out rewards for the fleshly activity. He said, serpent, you're going to do this now. Woman, you're going to do this now. Man, you're going to do this now. And he deals out wrath. He does everything. He even curses the ground. He curses, he curses the snake, he curses the woman, he curses the man, and he curses even the ground that the stupid tree came out of in the first place. Everybody's getting cursed. Ain't nobody free, ain't nobody free from the wrath of God. Nobody's getting a break here. Nobody's getting a break. And then the Bible tells us that the Lord, the Bible says the Lord will take them and the Lord will cover them unto Adam and his wife, verse 21, Unto Adam and his wife also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. This is where relationship comes back into the picture with religion. Religion says, I'm, let me cover myself. Let me, let me do all the things I need to do to cover me. And the Lord comes back in and says, no, that will never suffice. Let me give you leather. Let me give you flesh that will last. And so a sacrifice obviously had to be made. Something had to die for the flesh to be on their bodies. And what they covered themselves with was inadequate. And then what God covered them with was sufficient. God covers them. Because relationship covers you. Religion tries to get us to cover us. Me to cover me. But relationship says, you know what? I'll never be good enough to cover me. I have to take on the sacrifice. And I have to take on him. And when I put on him, then I'm covered. Then I'm covered correctly because they made aprons, but God made coats. They said, what will help us is if we make enough to cover just what needs to be covered. And God said, no, there's so much more that needs to be covered. Let me, let me show you what a covering really is. And something had to die for them to be clothed correctly. And it's not of them, not, not, not theirs. 
It was, it was not their issue. God took on the issue. And they had to be clothed in what God provided for them, not what they would provide for themselves. Clothed in what God manifested for them and not what they manifested for themselves. Clothed in what God performed for them and not what they performed for themselves. Clothed by God. This is relationship. As we keep relationship over religion, we have to understand that me and you will never be able to cover only what God can cover. We'll never be able to wipe away only what God can wipe away because he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. And the Bible says that when we are buried with him, we take on him. Ah, we take him on, yeah. He covers me. You know who I'm covered by? Not by my skill, not by my ability, not by my good religion. I'm not covered by my good prayer life. Oh, come on. I'm not, I'm not covered by my study life. I'm not, I'm not covered by all the good things I did. I'm covered by what he did. Because my attempts will never cover it. And I got to pray again tomorrow and pray again the next day. And I'm going to mess up. And, I'm, and the vine will die and the leaf will die. But the covering of the lamb shall be sustained. The covering of the lamb covers my life. That's relationship. He said, you know what? I'll die for you because I love you. And we have to say, Lord, he, he showed us his love by dying for us and providing us with the covering. We show him his love. We show him our love for him when we allow ourselves to be covered. This is how we show him that we love him is we step out of the coverings that we've provided for ourselves and we step into his covering and we say, Lord, I'm going to let you cover me. I'm going to let you be the God that you're trying to be. I'm going to let you. And me and you make no bigger mistake in our lives than when we keep trying to do good so that we can get good. Listen, I don't, I don't walk this way and talk this way because I want God to be happy with me. He's already happy with me. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do all these things that I'm doing so that God will love me. That's foolish talk. God loved me before I was born. In my womb, in, in, in the womb of my mother, he knew me and he had a plan for me. Yeah, yeah. He, you, you're not going to do some kind of activity and God's going to be like, man, I love you so much more. You know how you can be so proud of your kids and your kid can come home and, and, and got a D on a test and the test was two plus two is what? And you're like, mm, Lord, I love you. But you was really dumb. Lord Jesus, that's from your daddy's side right there. You know how that feels, every one of you. But you know how that kid can come and make you so proud? And you was like, you feel, it's almost like, oh, I love, I, I love that kid so much. God don't do that. 
God doesn't have a degree of how much more he loves you than me. He ain't like us. He has a level of love and a love that we can't even understand that he's already given us, and that's it. You can fail. You can flop like a fish. You can do everything you want to do. You can drop the ball. You can drop the watermelon. You can do whatever you want to do. God's going to love you on that same level because he's God, and he ain't like us. Mm -mm. That's relationship. That's not religion. Religion will tell you, well, you know, you ain't really been doing right. God, you know, God's mad at you. Oh, you got cancer? Well, what did you do? If you'd have kept on coming to church, that probably wouldn't have happened. The devil is a lie. That's religion. That's religion. That's what religion tries to tell us. Relationship says, no, I, I'm, I'm, I, you're covered by my love. You're covered by my grace. You're covered by me. This is why Paul says, now that we understand that the law no longer holds the value that it used to have, now we're under a new covenant. Do we kick the law out and do we do whatever we want to do? He said, no, 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 no. I'm not giving you, I'm not giving you a free range to go and sin and do everything because you know God loves you and so you can just do whatever you want. He said, no, that's, what I, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm telling you is that we ought to walk we ought to walk as best as we can because we know that he loves us. His love for me is why I do the things that I do. Oh, See, I, I, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I, because what, if I could ever set you free as a pastor, as a, as a, as a voice of God in your life, if I could ever set you free into walking into the righteousness of God and to walk uprightly and to live a life pleasing unto him, if I could ever set you free, it would be to get you to realize that everything you do in this life is not for a grade. God ain't grading you. God's not sitting up in heaven with a notebook taking notes of everything you're doing and giving you a grade at the end of the day whether you're a good Christian or a bad Christian. That's what we do. That's, that's religion. But he comes down in the cool of the day when, you, when you've already sinned and, and you've already come short of his glory and we understand his wrath. His wrath will be poured out at the end of time when you will make an account for who you are and what you've done. And every man will stand before the throne and hell is coming and hell is hot. And heaven is coming and it's worth it. But if me and you keep living for heaven and trying to avoid hell, we'll miss the relationship. The in-between. We need to understand that he gave his life so that we could live in freedom. So that me and you could be covered by him. Me, me and you could walk in his likeness. Yeah. See, God himself came down and he clothed himself in flesh. You get it? He clothed himself in flesh. Yeah. 
and the word was made he gave himself a coat <laughs> that's why he said if someone comes and asks you for your shroud he said give him your coat also he came and put on a coat so that he could give the world his coat I'm covered by him. So, in, in, in closing, and I, I'm, I've gone way too long today because I would like to not make this a series, but I may have to come back and revisit. So what are you saying today, Pastor Chip? Are you saying, are you saying that, that, that we can just do whatever we want to do, live ever how we want to live, and, and it's okay because God loves us and, and, and he's never going to you know, hold us accountable? No, no, I'm not saying that today. Do we, do, do we just throw God's love by the wayside? When someone loves you that much, do you step on their love? When someone cares for you that much, a way that you can't even fathom, do you just do what you want to do anyway? No. No. That's not what Paul says. Paul says that because of his love, we should walk uprightly. Because of his great love, we should walk circumspectly. Because of his great love, we should love him. And in loving him and receiving his love, we, little by little, day by day, step by step, and stage by stage, understand that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, that's not him. That's the world. I saw that it was good for food. I saw that it was pleasant to look upon. And I saw that it would make me wise. These are the things that pull us from him. But even as it pulls us from him, he comes to us. He already came to us. What shall we do then? I'll tell you what we do. We try to walk as best as we can. We give ourselves wholly to the word of God. Paul said, I'm speaking to those that are called to be saints. Yeah, holy, acceptable before God. He said, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Present yourself to him. Lord, I present myself to you, covered by you. That's why you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus, above all things, so you can take on him. You take on him, covered by his blood, covered by his coat. Yeah. This is my son was dead and now is alive. Go, go put shoes on his feet. Put the ring on his finger and cover him in the robe. Cover him. And when you cover him in that robe, you cover up his past and you cover up his shame and you cover up his stench. I want to be covered today. I said, I want to be covered today. I want to let God cover me and stop trying to cover myself. Stop living under my own condemnation because he's already covered me. And Lord, help me understand that when my flesh lusts, that's not you. And when my eyes lust, that's not you. And when I feel pride coming into me because I'm somebody special, 
that's not you either. Cover me. Cover me. Would you stand on your feet? I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.